You are listening to Revival Talk. I'm Pastor Terry Bailey, and I want to thank you for joining me today on the podcast. In today's message, I'll be talking about the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit in these last days. For more information about our ministry, go to RevivalTalk.org. So let's talk about the work of the Holy Spirit in the last days. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How do we know that we are living in the last days? The apostle Peter announces the beginning of the last days on the day of Pentecost in verses 16 and 7. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see vision, and your old men shall dream dreams. In Matthew 24, verse 3, the disciples asked Jesus, tell us, what will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus gives us the following signs that point to his second coming and allow us to know that when these things begin to happen and we see them on a worldwide scale, we can know that we are in the last of the last days. In Matthew 24, 4, it says deception will be the order of the day. Matthew 24, 6, wars and rumors of wars. And even now, uh, China threatening Taiwan. Russia invading Ukraine, North Korea, Iran in the Middle East. So we're hearing of wars and rumors of wars every day. In verse 7, he says, nation will rise against nation, famine, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. There's been 20 earthquakes since December in the state of South Carolina. In Matthew 24, verse 8, Jesus said, all of these are the beginning of sorrows. And I've been thinking on that passage of scripture there. All of these are only the beginning of sorrows. That's where we're living today. We're living in the beginning of sorrows that is laid out by Jesus in Matthew 24, verse 8. The contemporary English version says it this way, but this is just the beginning of troubles. Now, I didn't come to talk about trouble. I didn't come to talk about all the bad things that are happening in the world today. But Jesus told us when we see these things start to happen, when the signs of the times that are recorded in the New Testament read like the headlines of our days, we can know that we're living in the last days. But listen, my friend, we don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be afraid. We can know that God is with us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? For I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Fear has no place in the life of the believer. You have power 
over the spirit of fear. So we're on God's prophetic time clock. We're in the beginning of sorrows. But I love the words of Jesus in Luke 21, verse 28. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your head because your redemption draws near. So how do we respond to the last day? Jesus gave us the following instructions in Luke chapter 19, verse 13. And I love the way the King James Version reads. It says, occupy till I come. The new King James Version says it this way, do business till I come. If we're going to occupy till he comes, then the first thing we must do is we must be a people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Wesley Campbell writes, he says, to be filled with the Spirit means you have the Holy Spirit directing and empowering your life to the point that he influences every part of you. D.L. Moody quotes British evangelist Henry Varley in his diary. Listen to these words. The world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through a man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. Dr. Jack Hayford says, Jesus gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit, yet when the Spirit comes, he is loaded with packages. He desires to release much more in us and through us than we could ever imagine. These gifts are given for delivery, not for accumulation. We receive them to pass them on to others. Do you know that God is always working? The Holy Spirit is moving. We may not hear about it in the national media, but we can be assured that God is pouring out his spirit in and throughout the earth in these last days. You say, well, pastor, how do we navigate these times? How do we thrive in perilous times? Now, notice I didn't say, how do we survive perilous times? We're not survivors. We're overcomers. We've been made more than conquerors through him that loved us. In my battle with COVID last year, and I was on a ventilator for eight days. Those of you that listen regularly know the testimony of that. And I came close to death, but death couldn't get in the room because I had a group of people who was standing and binding the power and the spirit of death from coming into the room where I was because they knew that it wasn't my time to go home yet. They said to me in the hospital, they said, you're a COVID survivor. But I began to coin a different phrase. I'm a COVID overcomer. You're not a survivor, and God's not called us just to survive these perilous times, but he's called us to thrive in these perilous times. To do that, we must be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. Notice what I said. We must be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be refilled with the Holy Spirit? Well, ever so often, we need to get back to the altar of God, and we need to cry out to God and allow him to refill us with the Holy Spirit. Does that mean that I'm baptizing the Holy Spirit all over again? Well, you have there's an initial baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I believe the initial evidence of that is that we speak in other tongues, but there needs to be subsequent refillings. You remember when the church at Acts got together in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. It says this, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. How do we know when the Holy Spirit's at work? How can we discern that God is working? How can we see the Holy Spirit at work in these last days? Well, John 16, 13 says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. This morning, I want to talk to you for the remaining time that we have together about three things I believe that the Lord showed me that we can know that the Holy Spirit is at work. First of all, when the Holy Spirit is at work, the majesty of God is revealed. Have we lost our awe and our wonder of God? We serve a majestic God, and the Holy Spirit reveals to us the majesty of God. 
Majestic means having or showing impressive beauty or dignity. We give the title of your majesty to kings and queens and sovereign. The scriptures reveal the Lord is the sovereign God of the universe. He is sovereign. He is king of kings and Lord of lords. John Piper writes, there are no limits to God's rule. This is part of what it means to be God. He is sovereign over the whole world and everything that happens in it. He's never helpless, never frustrated, never at a loss. And in Christ, God's awesome sovereign providence is the place we feel the most reverent, most secure, and most free. My spiritual father is in heaven today. He's a great man of God. And he went home to be with the Lord just a short time back at the age of 90. And he used to tell me, he'd say, Terry, the Holy Spirit down on the inside of you has never been confused. The Holy Spirit down on the inside of you has never not known what to do. You have inside information. You see, God is all powerful. He's the creator of all the universe. Hebrews 11, 3 says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Psalms 97 verse 1, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, let the multitude of isles be glad. Psalms 104 verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great, you are clothed with honor and majesty. 1 Timothy 6 15, which he will manifest in his own time. He who is the only blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Jeremiah 10, 6, inasmuch as there is none like you, O Lord, for you are great and your name is great in might. And I love the words of 1 Samuel 2, 2, no one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. The Holy Spirit unveils the sovereign God of creation. Why is this important? Why is it important that we understand the majesty of God? because it brings the fear of God. Now, what does it mean, that term? What does that mean, the fear of God? The fear of God is a sense of awe and respect for the majesty of God. Joshua 24, 14, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods of which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Psalm 67, verse 6, God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Someone wisely said that worship is 50% rejoicing and 50% fear and trembling. Now, when I talk about the fear of God, I'm not talking about dread. I'm not talking about terror, but I'm talking about respect. There's an awe. I come into the presence of God. I do it reverently. I do it in humility. I come into his presence knowing that Psalms 25 verse 14 says, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant. Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. The apostle John describes a scene in Revelation 5, 6, and I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. What does that mean, the seven spirits of God? They're not seven spirits. There's one Holy Spirit, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. But seven is the number of symbolic perfection. And the Holy Spirit unifies himself in himself all the attributes of deity. As the anointing spirit, he imparts his sevenfold gifts. He possesses a sevenfold might and freely bestows his sevenfold grace. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit without measure. 
Isaiah 11 verse 2 gives us a glimpse of that measureless anointing upon the Messiah. This is what it says. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 13. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or as his counselor has taught him. Isaiah 40, verse 28, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. So the Holy Spirit reveals the majesty of our Lord. But I want you to notice, secondly, the Holy Spirit reveals his ministry to the world. Listen to the words of Jesus in John 16, 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he also speak, and he will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit's been sent by the Father to give us godly counsel, instructions, and advice. He is our divine teacher. He comes to teach us the word of God. He comes to open the scriptures and help us understand the scriptures. You need to, it's good to know Hebrew. It's good to know Greek. It's good to study theology, but you need to know the Holy Spirit so you can unlock the spirit of the word. Listen to what it says in 1 John 2, 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. 1 John 2, 27, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. The Holy Spirit opens the word of God and teaches us the word of God. The Holy Spirit teaches us how to pray. He enables us to pray in the spirit. To pray in the spirit means I pray in tongues. It is praying in a language that is completely foreign to your own understanding. 1 Corinthians 12, 3, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 2, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Jude, verse 20, But you, beloved, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our divine counselor. John 14, 16 through 17, and I will pray the Father, he'll give you another helper. One translation says he'll give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. That word helper or comforter is translated from the Greek word parakletos. It means one called alongside to another. It's a rich word meaning comforter, strengthener, counselor, helper, advisor, advocate, ally, and friend. That's describing the precious third person of the Trinity who works in our lives. I like the way the Amplified Bible reads, and I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, to be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive take to its heart because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be in you. Underline those words, will be in you. What is the ministry of the Holy Spirit? He empowers you to overcome fear. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He empowers you to witness with boldness. Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
when the Holy Spirit is at work, his ministry will be evident to us. I love that. He empowers you to overcome sin. He empowers you to overcome fear. For God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And he empowers you to witness with boldness. We need to be bold in our witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice third, that when the Holy Spirit is at work, that there will be manifestations of the Spirit that are revealed. These manifestation gifts of the Spirit are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10. There's three chapters in the Bible that deal with spiritual gifts. There's 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14. There's Romans chapter 12 that deals with what we call the motivational gifts or the functional gifts. And then there's Ephesians chapter 5 where it talks about the five ministry gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Listen to verse 8. For one to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings. Notice that's plural. That means there's more than just one healing. Gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 defines these gifts as manifestations of the Spirit. Listen to what it says. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now, the Greek word for manifestation means to make manifest or visible or know what has been hidden or unknown to manifest, whether by words or deed or in any other way. Bishop B.E. Underwood writes in his books, Ministries and Manifestations, Spiritual Gifts, Ministries and Manifestations. The list of manifestations in this passage is a list of supernatural expressions of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the church. These are surprises of the Spirit which exhibit His divine activity in the ministry of the church. These gifts of the Spirit are the tools of the New Testament church. These manifestations cannot be programmed nor pre-planned, but are spontaneous manifestations of the Holy Spirit. They have little relationship to one's position in the body of Christ. Any person in the body may be used by the Spirit for the manifestation of any of these gifts. And they're valuable to us today. They give us encouragement and enhance the proclamation of the gospel. And I want to say this, that the gifts of the Spirit are not just for the church house. They're for the marketplace. And I believe that you can walk into a restaurant and God can give you a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, or a prophetic word. For the waitress who's waiting on you that maybe she's going through something in her life and she needs more than what she can receive humanly from people. She needs a word from the Lord. Not long ago, I walked into a Cracker Barrel and the young lady was our waitress. Her name was Rose. And the Lord said, tell her that I have more for her, that I've called her to the medical community and tell her that she has a desire to go to college, but she don't believe that she can afford it. You tell her that I have a way for her to go to college without going into debt or incurring student loans. And then you give her an offering and tell her, here's money from an unexpected place, and this is the first fruit of what I'm going to do for her life. This young lady wept right there in that Cracker Barrel. Can God give you a gift, a manifestation of his presence to bless somebody in Cracker Barrel, Walmart, Publix, Best Buy, wherever you may be in the marketplace, I have gotten onto elevators in hospitals as a pastor to go pray for people, and God would give me a word. I got on the elevator with a man some time ago, and he had a big telephone in his hand. And what he had was a home phone that used a cellular connection, and he brought that with him to the hospital. I struck up a conversation with him about that phone. 
And God opened the door for me to minister to his wife who was in the hospital. You never know how God will use you to touch somebody's life. And the gifts of the Spirit are the tools of the New Testament church. They give encouragement and they enhance the proclamation of the gospel. The gospel's good news. And listen to this preacher today. If you don't hear anything else I say, hear these words. The gospel is transformational. It is life-changing. It is powerful. Jesus does not save us to get along and go along and to somehow learn how to manage things. He saves us to transform us. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. If I didn't believe that, I'd leave this business today. But I do believe that. It's a conviction with me. And we have a life-changing message. And God will use you in one of these nine gifts as a believer to be a blessing and to benefit the kingdom of God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and other people. And he may use it to bring them to himself in that time. Well, my time is almost up. I have just a few minutes, and I'd like to pray with you today. I'd like to go back to a scripture that I read to you in our text in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. The latter part of that verse that I read to you simply says this. In verse 20, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to tell you that all you have to do today is call on the name of the Lord. There's one name given under heaven whereby men might be saved, and that is the name of Jesus. There's power in that name. And if you'll simply look up toward heaven today, perhaps the Holy Spirit has pricked your heart. You're driving. You may be on the interstate. You may be down in Augusta. You may be in Thompson. You may be somewhere up in South Carolina listening to this broadcast today. Or perhaps you're hearing it online, even in another nation. If you'll just call on the name of Jesus today. He'll come to you. He'll touch you. And the gospel, the good news will transform you and change you. And you'll pass from death to life. You'll be translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Dr. Pauline Hughes. We thank you for her husband, Ronnie. We thank you for the privilege to come by way of radio and minister to the people that listen each and every week. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in their lives. And we pray that in these last days, they will understand not just how to survive, but how to thrive. We can thrive in perilous times. The apostle Paul told us, Jesus warned us and said, these signs will let you know that you're living in the last of the last days. And we believe that's where we are. But today we lift up our eyes. We lift up our heads because our redemption draws nigh. And we look for the soon appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. We love you today, and we thank you for every person. And I pray for that person that the Holy Spirit is tugging on their heart today, that they would simply cry out and say, Jesus, come to me, rescue me, save me, forgive me, redeem me. It's in your name I ask, and in your name I pray. Thank you, and God bless you. Appreciate this radio station and those that help us. It's an honor to come to you on these third Fridays. And I pray God's richest blessings upon you as we enter into this new season of spring.